Yo, <laughs> thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Then again, you know that because you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> thanks again for checking me out. All right. So check it out. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that we are dedicating shows to albums and hip-hop that are turning 20 years old. And on this particular podcast, we're going to talk about an album that dropped 20 years ago. June 25th, 1996. A guy by the name of Sean Corey Carter from Brooklyn, New York, dropped his first and what he thought at the time would be his last LP. Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z, dropped Reasonable Doubt. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years since Reasonable Doubt came out. You almost have to kind of go back and think about what was actually going on at the time. Just to refresh your memory, the West was really winning back then. I mean, the West had it on lock, but the East was slowly coming back. And all of a sudden, this guy, Sean Carter, kind of comes out of nowhere. And to be honest, when this album dropped, it was a breath of fresh air because it was something, you know, that had not been heard before. And even more importantly, it was coming from someone who the music industry had no idea existed. I mean, yeah, Jay-Z, he had had done a few guest features here and there. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of people didn't know who the hell he was. Myself included. I remember the first time that I heard Jay-Z. And it was, it was, uh, I think, in fact, I know exactly when it was. Before the album came out, he had released a song uh, from the album earlier that year in 1996. I want to say it was, I probably caught it maybe sometime around March, maybe April. The song was called Dead Presidents, right? And I remember there was a video for it, but even before I saw the video, I was listening to the song and I can't even remember where I was listening. It might've been on the tape. And on the song, because I'm always, especially when I'm listening to someone new, I'm always looking for something. I'm looking for the hook. I'm looking for something to hook me in. I don't care what type of MC you are. You got to have a line or two that's going to hook me to make me want to listen to you again. And in the song, he says, I'm still spending money from 88. And I was like, oh, snap, that's kind of clever. And from that point on, I kind of gravitated toward the song. And the song was kind of hot. And then the video dropped. And I was like, okay, you know, he's. And I thought when I saw the video, I was like, okay, this guy's kind of flashy. And and not that we had seen, I mean, hip hop was filled with flashy guys, but something was a little bit different about the guy, right? So fast forward to uh, June of 1996. Um, I remember actually going to the store. I didn't get it the day that it came out, but I got it that same week that it came out. And I remember listening to it. I bought it, got home, listened to the CD. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it. (laughs) The first time I heard Reasonable Doubt, I did not like it. Uh, Again, it was released 
June 25th, 1996 on Rockefeller Records and Priority. Let me just tell you just a little bit about who was on the album. The album was produced by, obviously, uh, the great legendary DJ Premier from Gangstar. Um, Clark Kent had production on it. Ski from Original Flavor. Uh, Jazz O. And your man Irv Gotti. And then, of course, the, he had a lot of guest features. Well, not a lot, but he had a few guest features on there. Uh, one Miss Mary J. Blige. Uh, shout out to the queen of R&B. <laughs> uh, Biggie, of course. Um, Foxy Brown. Young cat by the name of Memphis Bleak. Uh, Sauce Money. And the aforementioned Jazz O. So he had features. He had great production. And like I said, the first time that I listened to it, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I always bug out when I think about the first, and, and I think for me, because I'm so critical of music, I think that was a sign that the fact that I didn't like it, something told me that it, because I didn't like it the first time I heard it, that I was really going to like it the second time that I heard it. And, I, and, and to be honest, I don't know. I remember the first time that I heard it, I was I was moving around. I really wasn't, you know, kind of sitting still. And then something said, you know what? You you need to sit there because you because I paid $12 for it. <laughs> I was like, you need to sit down and, and digest this music. So I sat down and I started listening to it. And I'm going through the tracks and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, he's he's saying these things and I'm like, okay, this guy's really, really, you know, he's kind of he's kind of deep. And probably by my third or fourth listen, I was like, wait a minute, this this is this is dope. Like this is no, no, this is really, really dope. And when I got to uh when I got through the track listing, I started looking at it, seeing who was all on there and everything. And I was, I was really, really, you know, kind of taken aback. I think one of the things that stood out initially to me about this album, obviously, was Jay-Z's flow, right? He was a guy that, and, and, and here, here's how I kind of came to Jay-Z. Again, my introduction to Jay-Z was Dead Presidents. And subsequently, after I bought this album, I went back, got the original flavors. Um, uh, what was the other? He, he had another single um, prior to this that I went back and listened to. So I kind of I was able to get my hands on, you know, some of his other you know guest features and things like that. And to be honest, on those particular albums, on those, excuse me, on those particular singles, Jay-Z was rapping really fast. I mean, like he was rapping rapidly, rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> he was rapping real fast. And, you know, I think at that particular time, it worked for some people. He, he was actually able to make it work. But on reasonable doubt, he was much, much slower and much more clearer. And I've, and I've said this a lot about, you know, especially the early, Jay-Z's earlier music, particularly in this album in particular, like you can put it on for someone who's never heard Jay-Z before. And they, you know how like sometimes you can listen to certain rappers or certain albums and sometimes you get lost in what they're saying. You could, he's very clear, even though he, he's, he's very, his, his flow is very, uh, it's very kind of in your face, but it's very clear. And I thought that, you know, his, his lyrical wordplay was just really, really dope. And I think that to me, that jumped through the speakers. Um, 
you know, some of the things that he was talking about and some of the stories that he had on this album really, really captivated. I think even when you go from, you start off from Can't Knock the Hustle and it's just really, really smoothed out. You got Mary J. Blige on the hook. And as you're listening to what he's talking about, he kind of pulls you in. Same for Politics as Usual, which is the next song. And then you get to Brooklyn's Finest with Biggie. And that Brooklyn's Finest is just a, a what I call a verbal jousting between Biggie and, and Jay-Z. And I think that's one of the highlights of the album. And it's also kind of bittersweet when you listen to uh, Brooklyn's Finest because it gives you a glimpse of what Jay-Z and Biggie could have been had Biggie lived. That's the unfortunate part, because at the time of Biggie's death, he and Jay-Z were planning uh, the super group called The Commission, and they were going to do big things and so forth and so on, and it never happened. But Dead Presidents was raw. I mean, it was, it was excuse me, not Dead Presidents, Brooklyn's finest was raw. Dead Presidents was, I mean, off the charts. And then he came back with Feeling It. And I'll be honest, the first time I heard Feeling It, I really wasn't, for lack of a better term, feeling it <laughs> but jay-z like i said he has a way of bringing you in he has a way of drawing you in when he talks about the evils i mean if you look at the word it is the word devil spelled out and that's the thing about jay-z like there's so many so many double entendres so many ways that he you know lyrically takes you on uh, peaks and valleys. And I think even in his storytelling, Jay-Z's able to captivate your ears, keep you entertained, and still make you bob your head. And that's what this album does. When he gets to 22 twos on the album, he blows you away. Because I remember like the first time listening to it, I was like, what is this he's talking? And then once I sat down and actually listened to it, I'm sitting there counting the 22 twos. I, I'm like, okay, does he say two 22 times? You know, that type of thing. Um, the next track, track number eight, Can I Live? Incredible. Incredible track. Um, honestly, Can I Live is my favorite track on the album. That is a track that I think if I were going to give someone who, let's say you got a 12 year old kid, he's never heard Jay-Z rap, rap before. This is the first song that I'm going to give him. I'm going to say, hey, you listen to this and tell me what you think about Jay-Z because he absolutely kills it. I mean, the sample was dope. And that's another thing, too. A lot of the samples that were used on this album, uh, you know, very much old soul type influence out uh, uh, samples on the album. Uh, great, great production. Great production. And as I mentioned, I mean, he had, you know, he had some great, he had some heavy hitters. Uh, you know, Clark Kent was well-known. Uh, Premier was well-known. Um, Can I Live was produced by Irv Gotti. Irv wasn't well-known, but Irv was, I mean, he was, he was dope. Uh, the next song, track number nine, talk about that for a second. Um, Ain't No. Uh, I'm going to be honest, that's my least favorite track on the album. <laughs> and that's an unpopular opinion, but it's, it's, 
I'm not a fan of that song. I just, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because uh, over a period of time, you know, it, it, maybe the song got played out. I don't know. <laughs> I just know that it's just, and it, that was the second release. Dead Presidents was the first release from the album um, that was released in February of 1996. Uh, in March, uh, Ain't No was released uh, in March of 1996. Like I said, I, I, and I think just over a period of time, it just got played to death to me. Um, they did a video for it. Foxy was in the video. Biggie was in the video. And, and you know, I got I got to the point where I could watch the video. And, you know, or if the song came on in the club and I'm dancing, that's different. Because, you know, everybody loves the song when it comes on in the club. But outside of that, eh, even to this day, like, I have to be in the mood to listen to that song. I'm just not... And for no particular reason, it's just not, I guess it, it, it wore, I guess it wore me out. I don't know. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, a good song, not my personal favorite, but a good song. Uh, then you go to friend of foe, uh, coming of age with Memphis bleak, um, friend of foe is dope. I mean, premier, the, the track is sinister. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, coming of age uh, with Memphis Bleak. You know, that's the first time we ever heard Memphis Bleak. Didn't know who he was. Uh, I think he was relatively young at the time. I want to say he was like 16, 17 years old. Uh, I don't think that he wrote the rhymes. If he did, please let me know. I don't think he did. <laughs> um, but, you know, he held his own on the track. And uh, I remember uh, one of the funny things about this song was I remember one of my boys he was listening to it and he said he was listening to come coming of age and there's a line in the song where he where jay-z says i'm trying to turn hard white into cold green so one of my boys called me he said hey man you know on that friend of foe song on that excuse me on the coming of age song jay-z says something about nicole green who is nicole green <laughs> I said, nah, man, he's talking about turning hard white into cold green. So we still laugh about that to this day. Um, Cashmere Thoughts, another banger, man. I mean, pr produced by Clark Kent. Again, Jay-Z's lyrical flow on this song really is really, really heavy, man. I mean, like, you really, really can appreciate, especially after a period of time, you know, elapses, you can really, really appreciate the song. Um, here's one thing that a lot of people don't know about this album. This album didn't sell well. I mean, again, the album was, the album came out in June of 1996, June 25th, 1996. It wasn't certified platinum until February of 2002. That's incredible. So it, it didn't, I mean, it wasn't a chart topper. And here's the thing that goes along with that. I think one thing people misconstru misconstrue is that when you heard this album for the first time, like I did, you didn't say, oh, this is a classic. Nobody said, nobody listened to this album for the first time in 1996 and said, yo, this is a classic. I wish I had time to talk about 
why you can't listen to an album the first week that it comes out and deem it a classic. Classics become classics over a period of time. And it really wasn't until, I want to say maybe months later that I realized, I mean, I know that this was a dope album, especially after I listened to it a couple of times. But how dope it was, I I still wasn't sure until months later. And I kept it in my rotation. And to be honest, the more and more that I listened to this album, the more and more I was able to get from the album. This album, if I'm not mistaken, when it came out, it got four mics in the source. So it didn't even get five. It wasn't even a five micer. Um, I think I remember uh, was Entertainment Weekly gave it a B, B plus. You know, there were I think Rolling Stone, you know, gave it a lot of high praise. Uh, they, they said it was a stellar album, but there were other news and media outlets, uh, that said, you know, it's a solid effort by a guy that we didn't know anything about, but nobody said, yo, this is the dopest thing in 1996, but I'm saying it now of all the albums to come out in 1996, I think this is the best album of the year. This is, to me, by far, Jay-Z's best work. Jay-Z said that he had 20-something years, 25, 20... I think this album came out when he was 26 years old. So he had 26 years to create Reasonable Doubt. Reasonable Doubt is, to me, in my opinion, and I'm a huge Jay-Z fan, by far his best work. And I think it's a hip-hop classic. But I couldn't have said that after I listened to it for the first time. Okay, so then you go, going back to the track listing, you go to Bring It On. Bring It On, uh, dope verse from Sauce Money, an even doper verse by Jazzo. Jazzo said, John Stockton couldn't assist you. I was like, yo! And, you know, Jay-Z and Jazzo, they had their falling out or whatever, but I, I thought that was incredible. And I, and I still scratch my head as to why Sauce Money never was signed to Rockefeller. Things that make you go, hmm. And then he closes with regrets. Uh, very somber, but very poignant lyrics about, you know, what he went through. And you have to know Jay-Z's backstory to really kind of understand this. A guy who came from the streets, who was hustling, uh, he saw a lot of people, friends and foes, you know, some go to jail, some die. Uh, you know, he even mentioned in the song, you know, three shots from close range never touch me. Um, and that really happened. A guy had him at close range and was about to shoot him and the guy's gun jammed. And so he, he realized that from hustling, he was he was lucky to be here. And he had, he had had escaped the poverty and the the he escaped Marcy Project. But again, this is a guy who his only goal was to make this album, and his album was supposed to be just the launch of Rockefeller, and that was supposed to be it for Jay Z. Jay Z the artist was supposed to he was supposed to go from Jay Z the artist to Jay Z the executive. Well, a funny thing happened on his way to being becoming becoming an executive whole bunch of albums, a whole bunch of notoriety, and Jay-Z quickly became one of the pillars in hip-hop 
over the last 20 years. Let's take a quick commercial break. Let's get a quick interview with Jay-Z. And then we'll come back on the other side and talk about just a few things that Jay-Z has done over the past few years and why this album is such a great album. Be back in a second. Name the album Reasonable Doubt because, you know, with anything you do in life, people are going to judge you. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be, you know, do interviews or radio or whatever you do in life, people will judge you, you know? So the album is like basically like on trial. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether you like it or you don't, it's Reasonable Doubt, you know? It, it, you know what I mean? It's been, this being my first album, you know. People heard me on guest appearances and things like that, but they wasn't so familiar with me, you know, but not a full-length project and things like that, so it's reasonable doubt, you know? Um, what's, your talk, what's your talking about on the album? I mean, what it is, what subjects you featuring? Well, the um, album is basically, like, for the most part, it's like just a, just a, um, a chronicle of all the events that happened during my life or things that I've seen or people around me have seen things that I've witnessed, you know, creative things like 22 Tools where, and Cashmere Thoughts where I just wanted to take it somewhere else, you know, just to, just to be creative with it. It's just, you know, a whole bunch of guests on there. Just as a real well put together album, if I say so myself. And just like that, we're back. Uh, As I mentioned at the beginning, man, I think one of the things that really, really stands out about this album is that it's been able to withstand the test of time. I mean, here it is 20 years later and people are still talking about this album as if it came out last week. Uh, What Jay-Z was able to do was really put his (laughs) blueprint, if you will, on what it takes to make this kind of album. And I think one of the great things about it was that this album, while it had a lot of soul and a little jazz influence, uh, it wasn't influenced by the outside industry. I mean, because this album was created and Rockefeller Records was created because Jay-Z couldn't get a record deal. I mean, think about it. (laughs) How crazy is that? Jay-Z, a guy who by many people's account is one of the greatest MCs that we've seen ever, couldn't get a record deal in 1995. So he decides to start his own record label. He and Kareem Biggs and Dame Dash, those three guys, they start Rockefeller Records and the idea was to put this out and then he was going to be just the CEO, if you will, for Rockefeller Records. Well, Jay-Z not only put out this album, but went out, went on to put out many, many more albums. I'm not even going to list to you Jay-Z's accomplishment. You know what Jay-Z's done since Reasonable Doubt. I just think that it's amazing that he's come this far for a guy who wasn't necessarily, quote unquote, made by the industry. Now, personally, Jay-Z is, you know, grown up, I guess, if you will. He's, you know, he's older now. He's married. (laughs) He's a father. So the guy who wrote, you know, 22 twos is somebody's husband. And is somebody's father. As strange as that may sound. But you grow. And I think uh, 
one of the things about this album is that it shows that <clears throat> Jay-Z, I don't know if he necessarily came out to put his stamp on rap, because I don't think at that particular time, artists necessarily, you know, had desires to be, you know, legends or anything like that. He just wanted to put out a dope project. He wanted to put out a dope project and he wanted to get his record label out there. I mean, Jay-Z didn't know that he would go on to own Rockaware and Rockefeller and run Def Jam and, you know, become a sports agent, open 4040 clubs and, you know, make all of these albums, uh, beef with Nas. I mean, you know, I could go on and on on all of the stuff that happened post Reasonable Doubt. But it always comes back to what he was able to create on this album. I'm going to be honest. Reasonable Doubt is one of those albums that for me personally, I listen to this album at least once a week. No lie. Every Friday. <laughs> I listen to the album. I mean, it, it, I and, and here's the thing that's interesting to me. No matter how many times I listen to the album, I, I, I find myself getting something out of it. You know, it could be a word or two here or there. It could be a phrase. It could be anything. It could be, well, wait a minute. I didn't hear that beat before. I didn't hear that echo in the, you know, in the drums. And I think that's what you call a classic. When you can, when you, when you're able, when years pass and you can, you know, still get something from an album, I think that's what makes an album. That's one of the many things that makes an album a classic. And again, this album is heralded by many as, you know, not only the best album of 1996, <clears throat> which I agree upon, but, you know, a lot of people feel like it's one of the top 10 albums in hip hop history. History. That ain't bad at all. <laughs> that ain't bad from a guy who used to sell rocks. You know, that ain't bad from a guy from the Marcy Project. And I think the thing that you can take away from this album is you get a chance to, even if you did not know anything about Jay-Z prior to listening to this album, you get a chance to experience him, experience his life. And like he said, or life as we know it, he paints a perfect picture. This album was the 1996 Picasso painting. And it's just like a Picasso painting. I mean, like Jay-Z was just so on point with this entire album. Now you can ask people, even, you know, to be honest, even people who don't like Jay-Z love this album. <laughs> and that says a lot. I'm always interested because I ask people when we talk about Reasonable Doubt, I would like to know, okay, well, what's your favorite song? What's, what's your least favorite song? And then maybe, maybe there's not any songs that you don't dislike, but maybe it's like me, like, you know, Ain't No is a song that I just usually skip over. You know, unless I'm in a mood, I'll listen to it. But other than that, I mean, its replay value is still here 20 years later. And that says a lot. That says a lot. And again, you have to keep in mind that this album was not and has not been commercially successful, if you will. I mean, it's, it's platinum. It's a, pla it's a platinum plaque on his wall. But 
you would think that, I mean, Jay-Z's had other albums that have sold, you know, three, four times more than this album has and not nearly as good. And that says a lot about what this album actually is. And I think it goes back to what you like and what you're able to listen to and what Jay-Z gives you. And if you're able to fall somewhere in the middle, Jay-Z will kind of bring everything together. His flow, lyrical wordplay, this the production, uh, even the guest features. The, the guest features actually go, you know, because sometimes you can have too many guest features. You can sometimes you you can have guest features that outshine you on your own records. <laughs> Which has happened to Jay-Z once or twice. But not this time. I think this album is the perfect jump off, if you will, for his career. And if you had asked Jay-Z in 1996, if you had told Jay-Z that, you know, 20 years later, this album would be as heralded as, as it is right now, he'd probably look at you like you were crazy. Because I'm pretty sure he didn't see, you know, Cashmere Thoughts or 22 Twos or Can I Live really taking him off or helping his career take off the way that it did. Not in his wildest dreams that he think this could happen. But this is an incredible album. This is an album that I think every hip-hop head should have. I think as I mentioned, I think the source initially gave it four mics and they came back and rescored and gave it five. I don't know how that works, but hey, whatever. <laughs> right? But I think when you listen to what he's talking about, you know, the street life, the the, the mafioso, the the gang, I don't even want to say gangster rap because this was this was a little bit deeper. I mean, but he even talked about, you know, his lifestyle and it was really really flashy. He was talking about drinking Cristal and in the video, then the helicopter, he's got Lexus and you know, I mean, just everything throughout all of that this album has stood the test of time and that says a lot and for me I think this album is the best of 1996 and that's saying a lot from a guy who didn't like it the first time that he heard it (laughs) that's gonna do it for me Thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. I'll holler at you guys next time. 5,000.